do about it. And in May this month, uh, South Africans can get free BP testing. And that's thanks to a collaborative campaign, um, May Measurement Month, orchestrated by the International Society of Hypertension and its partners. So for more on this, we're now joined on the line by the president of the Southern Africa Hypertension Society, Dr. Martin Mpe. Doc, a very, very good afternoon to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Good afternoon and thanks for having me. I think we can't have this discussion enough, hey, because the more we think everybody knows about hypertension, um, the more it continues to rise. So this is a necessary conversation, don't you think? Yeah, very, very necessary. Um, we, we can't talk enough about it. Actually, I was listening to introduction. It was a nice summary. And I was even thinking that you don't need me after that. Oh, no, I definitely need you. I need you because I'd like us to correct some of the myths. Because even though we've advanced in terms of how we, we handle hypertension, there's been some uh, medical progress, etc. The myths still remain. So perhaps let's go back to basics as a starter. What causes high blood pressure? Yeah, well, for the majority of people, the causes of high blood pressure are not known. It looks like um, there's a familial tendency or a genetic predisposition for certain individuals to develop high blood pressure. That is what we call it is the primary type of um, um, hypertension, or we call it essential hypertension, where there's no obvious um, cause that you can identify. And then there will be those ones that we call secondary causes, which are associated with things like um, kidney diseases, endocrine abnormalities, and so forth. And those would constitute a very small percentage, and that would occur in younger individuals. Mm-hmm. But as people grow older, the likelihood of development of hypertension increases. And then there are lifestyle issues that are associated with blood pressure elevation, like drinking habits, excessive salt intake, increase in body weight, and so forth. So. The combination we're talking of here, which leads to the development of high blood pressure, is the genetic um, predisposition or susceptibility together with um, environmental influences. So we Mm. call it an uncommunicable disease, um, and it, it is more a disease of lifestyle. What are some of the early telltale signs that you're headed in that direction? Yeah, unfortunately, hypertension is what we call a silent killer. Mm. You feel nothing. The moment you start feeling something is because you are developing what we call target organ damage and complications. Because complications will present with discomfort, with blindness, with heart attack, with heart failure and so forth. Hypertension itself, the best way to know whether you have it or not is to have your blood pressure measured. So if you wait for the signs, it will be too late. Mm-hmm. And there is a drive at the moment where people can get um, their BP levels tested. Tell me a little bit about the May Measurement Month. Yeah, the May Measurement Month is an in- initiative of the International Society of Hypertension. And the Southern African Hypertension Society is an affiliate of that um, international body. The idea is to just have a cross-sectional survey. Because for decision makers and those who come up with policies, to inform policy decisions and to know where to appropriate resources, you need to have um, hard data as to what you are dealing with. So the intention of this survey is to just do screening across the board, screen as many people as we can, just to document for starters how many people out there are working about with elevated blood pressure. That's the first question. The second question we need to answer is the level of awareness of those individuals who've got a um, high blood pressure um, problem, are they aware that they are hypertensive to start off with? Mm. And then we've got another group that knows that they are hypertensive, 
some deliberately don't bother to take medication because they feel nothing, or maybe they're in denial, and there are those who are on treatment. But then we need to also tease out from the group that is being treated whether or not they are controlled. So data shows that internationally, especially let's, let's take sub-Saharan Africa, our control rates are very, very dismal in the region of about 6%. So many people think that because they are taking medication, that's good enough. But then the education that is intended from this um, drive is to make people aware of their numbers, number mm-hmm. one. Number two, to advise what to do when the numbers are high and to also emphasize the need to have those numbers controlled because control is the operational MM word in this case, not just taking treatment. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the treatment now and what someone can do about it. Um, firstly, the, the, the treatment in and of itself, does it have any adverse side effects? And if so, what? Yeah, the treatment is in two ways. There's the what we call lifestyle modification, mm-hmm. which we look at the diet, salt intake, you know, energy, uh, caloric intake, um, weight control and so forth, plus exercise. Exercise alone will drop your blood pressure somewhat even without um, um, dropping weight or increasing fitness. So people think that um, a, a reflection of um, efficacy in terms of um, improvement in, in health status is associated with weight, weight loss, which is not necessarily true. Mm. The more people become active, the numbers come down. The less alcohol people consume, the blood pressure comes down. The less salt people consume, the blood pressure comes down. So those interventions that we call lifestyle modifications don't necessarily have side effects. The only side effects you get is that you may be healthier. Then we come to the other arm of management, which is your pharmacological intervention, which is your, your medication. So we don't necessarily throw a, a bottle of pills at individuals with high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. We start with lifestyle modification, then we move on to the drug therapy, or we can do lifestyle modification as adjunctive to drug therapy. But then also, it would depend on what your starting blood pressure is at the time you present. We don't necessarily treat all hypertensive the same. The ones with milder forms of high blood pressure without any end organ damage, we tend to get away with lifestyle modification. Mm. And then for those who've got higher pressures, even without complications, is lifestyle modification plus medication. And for those who present already with complications, we talk about what we call secondary prevention, where we prevent complications already from whatever has um, um, ensued as a result. And then when it comes to the pills, they come, they, they belong to different classes. Mm-hmm. And each class has a way in which it acts in the body to lower the blood pressure. And as you um, step up the dose, you may actually end up with side effects which are dose dependent. And in some instances, remember that high blood pressure does not necessarily um, identify individuals without any problems. Like you may be diabetic, you may mm. be asthmatic, you may have gout, you may have many other conditions and to develop hypertension as well. Oh. So all we have to do is to ensure that the medication that we use to treat the high blood pressure does not exacerbate other yeah. conditions. We call it comorbidity. So we tend to individualize our approach of therapy um, as a result the medication that we give is not necessarily medication for hypertension. It's medication for hypertension in individual X, who is either uncomplicated, who is a female who is potentially going to fall pregnant, who is a pregnant patient, somebody who has, who has suffered a heart attack and so forth. 
So the medication choices and combinations would actually vary according to which patients we treat. And, of course, because we're giving pharmacological components, there's likelihood of um, side effects as well. Mm-hmm. This is what we need to look out for. That is why when you get a, a medication and you start getting sick because of the treatment, you don't just stop. You go back to the um, initial person that treated you to say, look, you gave me this and I'm not feeling well, and let them then consider another option. And to change doctors to say Dr. A is not good because his pills are making uh, are making one thing. It's not his pills. <laughs> this is just antihypertensive medication, which may or may not sit well with an individual. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, and still on the topic of drugs, um, are there then any any drugs that cause high blood pressure? So perhaps could it be that you're treating another condition, you're taking medication for that, and it then results in, in high blood pressure? Yes, there are drugs that can push up your blood pressure. Mm-hmm. The ones that we commonly use, like if you've got um, things like autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis and so forth, sometimes people like giving steroids where your analgesics don't work. So steroids can push up your blood pressure and can push up your blood glucose as well. And things like, um, you know, painkillers that we use commonly called non-steroidal anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. Those ones can also cause high blood pressure, things like brufen, indocid, and so forth. And many people know about these drugs. They actually call them um, what arthritis pills. The, the drugs by themselves are meant to be used as short-term causes for pain management mm. when you sprain an ankle, break a bone or something, but not intended for long-term use. So without proper control in terms of utilization of medications and duration and doses, people tend to use them inappropriately especially if they acquire them without prescription. Yes, the, the drugs can actually push up the blood pressure as well. And stress, can it can it also um, affect you? Yeah, stress contributes. Of course. Stress contributes. So if you talk about um, lifestyle intervention strategies, we talk about stress management, weight loss, exercise, diet mm. and so forth. Now, just going through some of the frequently asked questions when it comes to hypertension, I came across a question that I must be honest, it's the first time I found out about this. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, displaying my vulnerability here and I'm hoping that you'll put me out of my misery. Um, And the question was asked, what is systolic and diastolic blood pressure? Yeah, the, when, when the heart contracts, you know, when it contracts to push out the blood into the arteries, it generates a pressure inside the arteries, which is um, due to the volume um, distending the arteries of the body. Mm-hmm. So the pressure that you reach at the peak, that is a systolic pressure, which is during the contraction of the heart. And every time the heart relaxes to scoop another volume of blood from the lungs, what happens is that the blood, which is already in what we call the arterial tree, slowly dissipates um, across the body mm-hmm. and the pressure keeps on dropping. So the the lowest number that you get before the heart contracts the next time, that is your diastolic pressure. Mm-hmm. So meaning that as the heart contracts, the pressure goes up. As it relaxes, it drops. When it contracts, it goes up, and then it drops. The top number is the systolic number. The mm-hmm. bottom number is the diastolic number. So the normal blood pressure, the top number should be less than 120, and the bottom number should be less than 80. So the normal blood pressure is less than 120, over 80, which is systolic over diastolic. Mm. I hope I've, I've explained that. You when have. You somebody, when you say somebody has high blood pressure, yes. either the systolic number is above the number, 
for definition of hypertension or the bottom number. Hence, we hear people talking uh-huh. about systolic hypertension or diastolic hypertension. But for all intents and purposes, when we treat, we consider more the systolic blood pressure. For instance, um, hypertension by definition is when the top number is above 140 and the bottom number above 90. So there's mm-hmm. a gray zone in between 120 and 140 where we talk about high normal and prehypertension, but we don't necessarily want to cloud the picture by giving many numbers. Mm-hmm. But just to say to individuals, their numbers should be less than 140 systolic, less than 90 diastolic. So when you go and measure the pressure and they tell you your pressure is, let's say, 170 over 110, so it means you've got both systolic mm-hmm. and diastolic um, hypertension because the two numbers are above 140 and 90 respectively. And is However, that more problematic? Is that more worrisome? No, 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 no. It's the same. It carries the yeah. same burden. Whether you've got isolated systolic hypertension, meaning that only the, the top number is high, mm-hmm. or you've got both um, systolic and diastolic. It's just that in general terms, when we speak about hypertension, we refer to both systolic and diastolic pressures going up. And then if it's just a systolic number, then we talk about isolated systolic hypertension. But then they all have hypertension and the, the, the consequences are the same. Mm-hmm. Doc, we're getting wiser by the minute. Thank you very much for your time. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'd like to find out uh, whether or not we can see the manifestation of uh, uh, hypertension in children. And if so, what do we then do as parents? So that and other questions when we return. Life Happens, weekdays, 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome back and thank you so much for staying with us. Remember that this month, South Africans can get free BP testing and that's thanks to a collaborative campaign, May Measurement Month, orchestrated by the International Society of Hypertension and its partners. We're now joined by the president of the Southern Africa Hypertension Society, Dr. Martin Mpe. Doc, thank you very much for staying with us. I'd like to find out about age. Can children get hypertension is the first question. The second is one that's coming to us via WhatsApp saying talking blood pressure. What about age? I heard that as we age the 130 to 140 um, or 80 to 90 is regarded normal. Is this a myth? So maybe we can talk a little bit about age when it comes to hypertension. Yeah, I'll I'll start with the one um, about children. So children shouldn't have high blood pressure. So hypertension tends to to occur in older individuals. When you've got children with high blood pressure, um, it's usually associated with um, congenital problems. Like you may find that there's um, um, a coarctation of the aorta, where there's a narrowing in this big artery coming out of the heart. With that narrowing, then it can push the blood pressure up. You find that in the upper part of the body, the pressure is much higher than in the lower part of the body. Or if they develop um, problems with the arteries to the kidneys, like um, renal artery stenosis, that can cause high blood pressure. If they develop kidney problems, kidney disease, kidney failure, and so on, will cause hypertension in children. Mm -hmm. So for all intents and purposes, children with high blood pressure have serious problems. So in that um, blood pressure elevation is secondary to um, um, underlying disease of the kidneys, blood vessels, or even endocrine problems. So children should not have hypertension. If they do, then you know you're dealing with secondary hypertension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then as people grow older, we, we, before high blood pressure used to occur commonly above the age of 40, 
and the age dropped to 30. Now we see people living in their 20s mm. with hypertension and largely driven by what? Sedentary lifestyle, obesity, and excessive salt intake, and even excessive alcohol consumption. All those will lead to blood pressure elevations, and we tend to find it um, developing more and more in younger individuals. And then what happens when we grow older? As we grow older, our arteries um, harden. We call it arteriosclerosis. So older people tend to develop this type of hypertension, which we call the isolated systolic hypertension. Mm -hmm. Because of the heart vessels, the blood pressure tends to then also go up. But then the diastolic numbers remain normal. And then if you ask me, is it normal? Remember, aging is a degenerative process. Um, we may, we may, um, if we talk from a social uh, perspective, we may say it's normal to age, but the aging process is a deterioration of the body until we succumb to old age mm. if we don't die from something else. So the blood pressure elevations associated with um, growing old um, also carry the same um, effects on the organs, can cause stroke, can cause um, kidney failure, can cause blindness, can cause heart attacks, you name it. And hence, the cutoff levels that we use for definition above 140 will cut across for everybody above the age of 18. And then we treat when it's above 140, regardless of the age. Remember, age is a risk factor. And then when you add the age into the equation, then the likelihood of blood pressure elevation increases. But that doesn't make it normal for that to occur. Mm-hmm. All it shows is that the aging process is coming up with all these other complications which must be taken care of. Let's talk a little bit about the type of diet that one should follow if they have high blood pressure um, and whether or not there are any superfoods, I suppose, you know, just some um, maybe fruit or particular vegetable that can help mitigate uh, some of the effects of hypertension or, or high blood pressure. Is there anything that you would definitely recommend that we eat? What should we definitely stay away from? Yeah, so I, I like this question a lot. Whenever we, we have a problem we need to deal with, people first ask, what what, what should I eat to lose weight, for instance? Mm. And I, I, I like them to change the question to what, sh- what shouldn't I eat? Because mm-hmm. if it's the eating which is causing us problems, then maybe we need to do less of that. So the, the sort of things that will push up the blood pressure, weight, for instance, will cause the blood pressure to go up. And why do put, people put on weight? They put on weight because the caloric intake um, exceeds the amount of energy that they expend. If you eat a lot and you don't exercise, the weight builds up and increase in weight, especially around the abdomen. We call it the abdominal um, obesity, tends to drive high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And then that is driven largely by eating um, refined carbohydrates. Refined carbohydrates are talking about simple sugars. You know, sweets, your sugar, you know, maize meal, you know, pasta and so forth. All the white varieties, including white bread and so forth. They have very, very refined um, uh, carbs, and then they tend to lead to weight, weight gain. And people don't understand why we talk about sugar when they are not diabetic and are worried about high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. It's because caloric intake will be associated with weight increase, and weight increase drives hypertension. And then salt, salt, salt. You know, some may argue that salt maybe doesn't contribute, but we know that when you increase the salt intake across nations, the blood pressure steadily goes up. That is why there's legislation now for people, for manufacturers especially, of uh, processed foods to mm-hmm. reduce the amount of salt content. And then that will also help with the reduction in blood pressures in the long term. Alcohol consumption. Females that in, um, imbibe more than one alcohol saving per day 
um, will tend to have blood pressure elevation. Then for many, it, it seems to be associated with um, ingestion of more than two standard savings per day. Just to interrupt you there, is there a particular kind? Because a lot of people will say uh, red wine, for example, is healthier. Or or others will say any any alcoholic beverage that is sweetened is not healthy. Is there any particular kind of alcohol that is is problematic? You see, red wine tends to have antioxidants that tend to be healthy on the blood vessel. Mm -hmm. But then if you drink in moderation, the other varieties, regardless of what you drink, do not do any harm. Mm-hmm. but they do not necessarily have benefits. You know, sometimes we want to do things for fun. We shouldn't always be obsessed with health, but for as long as the way we attain that fun is not deleterious or detrimental to the body, then it's fine. Mm-hmm. But then if you want to combine fun with some health benefits, you'd rather then default onto red wine, but it should still be in moderation. Yeah. So yeah. you can't just um, down the whole bottle simply because it's healthy, because too much of anything is, is toxic. 100%. And, and the, the, yeah, and the, the other fruit um, that that people tend to recommend is bananas, because they are rich in potassium, and it looks like um, potassium deficiency also is associated with blood pressure elevation. Mm-hmm. So they've done trials to look at these people who take in too much salt, and they looked at the potassium in the urine. The ones who have a lot of potassium in the urine reflect the status of potassium in the blood would have almost the same amount of salt intake, but um, lesser degrees of blood pressure elevation, mm. as opposed to the ones who are potassium depleted. And even with reduced salt intake, uh, potassium depletion can be associated with um, blood pressure elevation. So the quality of the food matters as well. Wonderful. Doc, before we let you go, um, for those who would like more information, perhaps even participate in May Measurement Month uh, or get uh, their levels tested, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, we, we've um, teamed up with um, Discam Nationwide. So basically all the Discam outlets will be participating in this um, venture. So they'll be doing all those three measurements. And we've got centers in, in Houting, in Northwest, um, Limpopo, and so forth. So all this will be on the South African Hypertension website. By the way, we've teamed up with the National Department of Health so that we can screen across. So it shouldn't be seen as a an intent who know the numbers in private sector. Mm. This is a national issue. And then hence teaming up with them, the National Department of Health is imperative. And we're hoping that come next year, we'll actually be able to screen in, in virtually all the provinces. Mm-hmm. But it's the first time that we team up with the National Department of Health. But then we hope that um, the bulk of the numbers will come from the public side, I mean, from the government side, but not necessarily private. But with this camp coming in, Remember that if you walk into a discount store, you are not necessarily a private or a public individual. You are just a South African who goes in there to have their numbers measured. Mm-hmm. So we should all try and, and, and go to discount stores to have our um, blood pressure measured. And then what will then happen to those whose numbers are high? They'll be given a diet plan yeah. and then a card for referral to go to the nearest center. Awesome. So they'll either be referred to the government clinics or they can go to their own doctors, those who have family doctors. Or the ones with medical need can go to their GP. And the phone rang just in time. Thank you very much for your contribution, Dr. Mpe. We're going to have to leave it there. It is time for us to go to the news. Uh, Dr. Martin Mpe, President of the Southern Africa Hypertension Society. It is a minute after two. Utsile Sanku is standing by with the latest news.